0: favorite sound. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We're going to talk about the Cardinals all night long.
1: Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host Daniel Shopdahl, C70 at the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Alan Medlock from Redder, Redbird Redbird at a Medlock one on Twitter. But joining us tonight, the the Guru of low regional cable journalism, Jim the Cat Hayes, is with us. Jim, thanks for joining us.
0: Uh, my pleasure. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a low bar for regional cable journalism, and that's why I was able to clear it. <laughs> well you've done it with with flying
1: colors and we're it's it's always fun to to get a chance to talk to you um let's talk let's just jump right into what last year was like for you i mean you are of course known for the, your interactions with the players to be able to be there and and really kind of be one-on-one with them didn't really have a chance to do that very much last year how how did that change your approach to presenting what you present
0: yeah it was awful i mean it for me. It was really awful because, like, I, I guess I'm a one-tool player in that, you know, the, the players will do stuff with me. They'll play ball. And uh, I think there's an element of trust. And when you take away that one-on-one, you know, then everyone's kind of in the, the same boat, regardless rights holder. Even when I wasn't a rights holder, I always had a knack of, you know, bonding with guys and getting mm-hmm. them to understand that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't going to take any cheap shots. So the one thing that was good – was I, I praised the, the Cardinal PR staff because I told my place, look, the games are going to be antiseptic as it is with guys, you know, doing the play by play. And then our guys, Danny Mack, is the best. But you, you got to, baseball is about the players. And mm-hmm. Cardinal fans want to hear from the players, even if it's silly stuff. And I told my bosses that uh, I, I'm not accepting just being on the group Zoom call. Let me, at least for pregame, you know, do some stuff where it's just me uh, and the player with the masks off. Cause I said, these guys are going to be on with masks. They're talking to 20 people with masks. The, the audio bad. They don't know who right. they're talking. They're if you watch those things like, so um, the Cardinals were good about, let me do my thing. Like not usually the Cardinals, unless you're at the ballpark and you set it up with a player, you know, they want to know what they're, you know, what you're doing and who you're going for. They were good. They let me do my thing. So I was able to do a little of that. Um, But like, for example, um, there was a group uh, Zoom before after a game. I don't remember with Paul Goldschmidt. And uh, he he just he looked uncomfortable. And I told Mm -hmm. the PR staff, I want to do him this week on a one on one Zoom. And I want him to talk about that. And uh, when I was talking to him leading up to it, he said, yeah, I felt terrible the other day with that. And I was like you're always smiling. You're, you know, you hate, you, he's like Scott Rowland uh, he, he, and and Matt Holiday, hated talk, hates talking about himself in that group scrum, but he's a good guy with, you know, and, and he said, the weird thing for me is that I couldn't hear and I, people are talking at the same time. And so I knew I came off badly. So players wanted it to go better, but I think from a fan's perspective, yeah, you're getting some information out of it, but you're kind of missing out on the personality and that's, kind of my thing so you know i did the best i could boy I, i'm that's a long i'm watching the timer that was like a 12 minute answer you guys are probably like shut up
1: no people no. want to talk no. to you no. to talk about us so that's fine go ahead Alan.
2: yeah it's perfect did you get a chance to talk to anyone during summer camp you know when they returned to bush or were you allowed any access at all i couldn't remember if you had made it to the televised scrimmages or not but I didn't know if if the network and the Cardinals had allowed you to maybe me maybe meander around the ballpark at that point or when you were actually allowed back in. There was zero meandering. Um, wow. I, I went on my own. You know, my company,
0: it, it's Fox Midwest. It's become Sinclair, and they were very serious about keeping people safe. So they wanted almost no one to expose themselves to anything. The, if the Cardinals had advanced in the playoffs, I would have gone that. That would have been the, like their first step forward, you know, toward loosening up a little bit. I went to a couple of the scrimmages just on my own as a, as a fan, um, you know, as credential media just because I wanted to see the team we were mm-hmm. dealing with. But I there was no access. and when I and I understand it, so it's not a complaint, but when sure. I would do stuff from games or Erica Weston, we were in a suite, with a camera guy and they told us how to get into the ballpark and how to leave. Wow. I once asked, could I go up to the media room and get some water? And they said, we'll bring it down to you because they were, everyone's trying to keep everyone as safe as they can. So um, it, it's, a, you know, I could wave to John Mazalok, you know, the, <laughs> you know from, from the suite, he's like 10 suites over, but there was like no interaction. I miss, I, I, I missed seeing the other media guys and, and, and media women. I miss the fans. Like at a pregame part of getting me getting ready is I go talk to fans. Here, here's something I do. I, I shouldn't even tell this because it, it seems self-serving. But my favorite thing is I steal a baseball every game, and and someone found out about it, and they tried to stop it, but I did it anyway. But I try to find one kid, not the kids begging for balls, mm-hmm. you know, yelling, "Hey, Wong!" You know, I'm talking about kid in the <laughs> fan who looks a little out of it um, yeah. or not happy. And I go into the stands and I give them a ball. And then the kid smiles. And I think, I think of my own, like, how great is that? If someone just gave you a baseball. And I miss some of that. I miss talking to the fans. The fans have been have always been great to me. You know, I'm I'm a New Yorker. I still have a little New York twang sometimes I hear. I'm not this, you know, I'm not the pretty boy. People fans have always been great to me. So I I always try to interact with fans and I miss that. I miss talking to the other media folks. Um, everything was, and even, you know, just BSing with players in the clubhouse. And, and my philosophy always is, and it always has been, even before I came to St. Louis was if I'm in a locker room, I'm going to talk to guys just so when they see me coming, they're not like, Oh, he wants something, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. there was none of that. And he, and like I, like, I was talking about Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt said, you know, like I miss talking to the media too. Like he's one of those guys will come up to any reporter and say, you know, how's the family, or I, I read this, is everything, just, a, and so there was none of that, so I give the, the the players credit for doing what they could, Cardinals also, but for me, it was, you know, we did the best we could, but I don't think it was what I was looking for, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was different, I think, as, as consumers, you know, we understood that, and it was as good as it could be, um, I think that's what it kind of boiled down to. Is there anything, do you think that you will, I mean, any kind of technique or anything that maybe you would take going forward, um, even back when we get to quote normal, um, that you learned in 2020?
0: Well, let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm 58 years old and I don't think I have the capacity to learn. Um, I, I did, I did brush up on some, on some technology, um, Mm -hmm. where I was like, I was able to phone into you guys, if that's what you call it. I'm able to now, uh, Satisfactorily conduct Zoom. I have a, a, a an American flag with a baseball and a bat behind me um, that I use as my little studio in the guest room. Um, no, I, I I do think you, for me, it's it's learning about the players and how to reach them. To me, that's for for a guy who does mostly interviews, you know, and some hosting. Um, that's the key, and you're always learning about that. But it it it's tough to think about anything. Good that came out of 2020 outside of the fact that there was baseball, a lot of smart people figured out the protocols much smarter than me and they got it on. And you know, otherwise, you know, uh, know, through a, a really awful time where a lot of people got sick, um, we made it through. So I'm happy about that. And I got to, you know, keep my job and spend some time with my kids. So I try to look at the positives on that.
1: Yeah, and you did some of those zooms from your home office as you were saying did it become wait, difficult wait, let's,
0: let's not let please let's not call it a, a home office because i w- i was gonna have a home office okay and that is now my son's playroom so I, I am not like i don't know about you guys but i am not the boss of my house and uh, you know so so yeah. i'm in a guest room where the acoustics are terrible i, I got approval from the ceo my wife to go ahead and put this up, this you know flag backdrop because I thought baseball and America. Let's keep everything positive, even though I did get some tweets about my flag, like somehow I was a bad guy for having that up, which I never <laughs> understood. I, not we can talk about Twitter more later if you like. Yeah, but yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I put this up and, and we tried to get it done, and the only problems I had is. Uh, someone's building a house next door, so there's you know some of that. My dog Stella, a pandemic yeah. dog, uh, broke into one of the uh, interviews, and uh, my cat, she's passed. She was 20 when she went, mm, but she wow. walked she walked into into right into one of them. And uh, my son, the other day, this is more recent. My son is a veteran of this stuff, and he walked in, not to the office, but to the guest bedroom, and looked at me. <laughs> and if he, in the middle of an interview, comes in that tells me it's something serious so I stopped the interview I can't remember who it was from and I was and it's taped so I said hold the phone my kid knows better than to jump in unless it's important and it wasn't important so those are some, <laughs> so those are some of the things that we dealt with
1: yeah that was, that was really what I was gonna get at because I knew at least once I had seen Stella uh, make an appearance and you know what's the the old showbiz um, saying is never work with kids or dogs. Um, I guess maybe you've kind of found that out a little bit.
0: Let me tell you something that that dog. Look, I let's face it. I, I you know I'm all flash over substance. So on my Twitter, it's Cardinal birthdays, cargo shorts, mm-hmm. and pictures of Stella. I found out people really like Stella. So maybe in 2021, she can make an appearance in the pregame show.
2: <laughs> I. <laughs> I thought the, uh, the your your spot today with Dan was really good because he kind of prodded you into telling the story a little bit and then kind of beat you up a little bit on the backside of the story, which I thought that was great interaction on his show today. Well, you know, Danny and I are buddies and uh, <laughs> it, it's his show. So if he want,
0: look, he does it on the air all the time. Part of it is to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but she was, <laughs> I mean, you don't want to say that you traveled in the middle of a pandemic, but you know. My number one job, you know, I self-identify in one way. I'm a dad, you know, that's the sure. most important yeah. job. And when the kid, you know, they've been seeing videos and, and pictures of this dog. And then the, the lady that was, and it was supposed to be in, in Chesterfield with some other of the puppies from this litter. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits and everything's up in the air. And, uh, you know, okay, well, we'll get it. You know, we, we tried a shelter dog. It didn't work out. And so we started looking at different breeds. She's a mini bull terrier. And then we had to look around and we found a local lady and she said, okay, well, I'm going to get some of these puppies and okay, let's do that. And then, so you're trading videos and the kid's already attached and already has a name for her, Stella. And then the pandemic hits and the lady in California who has the, the puppies says, what are we going to do? You got to get your dog. And then the kid looks at you, <laughs> you know, and I don't you know what i did i got on a on a plane dressed as a mummy <laughs> one, of, <laughs> one of three people on the plane and the oh. other woman from chester who was supposed to get the puppies a stranger to me took the same flight we went we flew into oakland the lady brought the dogs we got on a plane wow. we came. but i mean dressed head to toe and the and the most ironic thing because i thought how weird is this i yeah and i i took every precaution i'm I'm, I'm always safe. Like I wash, I always wear a mask. I, I do, you know, I socially distance, I do everything, but I'm not a glove wearer, but on the flight I had two pairs of gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the funny thing was I get to the airport, you know, I'll be honest. It was a little scary. And uh, cause you know, the airport's kind of empty. And as I'm walking to my gate, there's a lady with a puppy. And, uh, and I said, ma'am, can I just ask you, you know, are are you traveling with that puppy? And she said, yes, she, she had the same story. She said, she lives, she was flying back to San Francisco. She came to somewhere in the St. Louis area because they had a dog and the the breeder said, what are we going to do with the dog? (laughs) The mom flew here and was jumping on a flight back to get her kid. uh, uh, I forget the, the breed of the dog. But it was the same thing. And I was like, that gave me a little bit more confidence that I, I, I guess I'm not alone in this.
1: No, wow. no, that's, uh, that's incredible. You guys
0: wouldn't have gone, right? You guys wouldn't have gone.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's kids looking at you. Yeah. I don't know how yeah.
0: you. Yeah. So um, I could be the worst father ever because that's like, a, if you're going to set up boundaries, that's a pretty good place. And I didn't. <laughs> so he's probably cursed for life.
1: It's going to be difficult. I will say for you to say, no, we're not going to, but you went in a pandemic. That is, that is going to be hard. Um, so what's the, the off season been like for you? I mean, obviously normally it's a little bit of a downtime, but after coming off of 2020, um, what, what's it been like?
0: Well, um, I don't know if you guys follow AM radio, but I was uh, unceremoniously, uh, uh, expunge uh, from a radio station mm-hmm. job so I actually I <laughs> I actually have um you know free time the blessing is I like getting up and getting my kid ready and taking them to school and picking them up but we uh, we 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 are doing you know off season programming for Fox so I haven't yeah. been doing um you know a lot of zoom interviews with guys we did a bunch for uh, in cooperation with the the winter warm up and uh, that was fun but let's be honest i mean you know, a work day where usually I get to the ballpark early, you know, you can ask anyone. I'm one of the first guys there. I'm looking up things I'm talking to the producers, what we're going to do. And now my work day is, yeah, I got a couple interviews at one o'clock. So I (laughs) I throw on the shirt, (laughs) pretend, and you know, sometimes I shave, sometimes I don't. And then it's like two o'clock. And then when your wife says to you, you know, like, Hey, how come you didn't uh, whatever it is I'm supposed to do. And I was like, I, I had to work today, honey, and she's like, "That's an hour." Shut up. <laughs> you know? But I'm looking forward to hopefully 2021 will be better. I, I, I like my job. I hope that shows. But I miss it. I miss. I miss, You know, it's. I'm in the toy store, really, of, of of broadcasting, and I hope I get back to you know making fun of the other media guys or getting picked on by the players and seeing the fans. Because honestly, every game, I'm happy to be there because. How could you not be? You know, you're at a ballpark. So I hope we get back to that.
2: No, nah, that's awesome. I mean, that, and to hear your passion in that is great because, you know, it, baseball kind of gets a knock of being the regional sport. But I love it that way. I love the, the, the Midwest telecast. I mean, that's I would rather have it no other way. I mean, it, it's really tough when it goes to a national broadcast to where you just don't feel the same. You know, it's it's cool to have the, the primetime games and whatnot. But I would much rather watch the regional telecast with you guys than anything.
0: Thanks. I, I, I got to say, our our producers are great. And Danny, I honestly think is one of the best in the business. And I think all our analysts are great. And I think it's cool that they each bring a little different nuance to it. And uh, all of them really are, are great to work with. So, like, it's it's a job, but it's fun, too.
1: Yeah, I know how much fun you've had over the years, especially poking a little bit with
0: Al and, and others. So, you know what my favorite Al story is. Um, I, I, I forget what year it was, but we we were we we're playing the Nationals, and uh, he told the story that back in the day um, when it was the Senators, I think, and he said Frank Howard hit a ball that went through the shortstop's legs, and then rose and went over the wall for a whole month. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "That I think that's, look, I was no, I went to Geneseo State, not Harvard, but I, I don't think that's physically possible. So I asked, I found the oldest guys in the press box. Like, I mean, I'm talking, these guys were like a, a couple of months away from oxygen tank. We're talking old. <laughs> And I can say that now because I'm a senior citizen. I have an AARP card. Um, and no one remembered that story. <laughs> so when I did my head, I had to, I had to say, by the way, Al, I talked to a lot of the old timers. No one remembers Frank Howard <laughs> hitting the ball through a shortstop's leg. And he was mad at me that day. But Al Rabosky is is one of the nicest people you could ever meet. And I will say this for Al, too. We don't do them very much anymore. Um, but they used to have, you know, pep rallies and stuff before playoff games, and they would have some of the Fox guys signing autographs, right? And, uh, and the line for Al was always huge, and it wasn't close. I mean, I know that there's, you know, some of the social media, you know, experts out there and keyboard mm-hmm. warriors, but I think Cardinal fans love Al. And uh, it, he hasn't been part of the broadcast, but he's still associated with the Cardinals, so we still see him a bunch. He is a wonderful guy. And I'll say the same thing. Like Tim McCarver, like could be a jerk because he's been at, at the top of the profession, right? He's mm-hmm. And I mean, he was a national celebrity, still is, you know? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, he is a Hall of Fame guy and he joins our broadcast and couldn't have been nicer. And I'll say this too. You think I have a passion for the game. Dan has a passion for the game. Tim McCarver has more passion for baseball than anyone I've ever met and couldn't be nicer in terms of trying to fit in with everything. He's just wonderful. Like I said, I've worked. Brad Thompson's great. Ricky Horton is the nicest guy. Uh, Ankeel, all these guys have been great to work with. And, and, and it's true. I'm not just saying it cause I'm, I'm on your podcast.
2: That's awesome. I, I, I have to ask, so do you think, you know, you were talking about how some of the perception of McCarver is maybe negative. Do you think any of that comes from the Deion Sanders instant incident, incident? I, well, first, I, first of all, um, Timmy now
0: kind of likes to poke fun at the game as it's played now. So I think yeah. immediately, I think immediately that's going to bristle. Some people, I get that, but he's not going to change. Cause he is who he is. I mean, that, sure. that is a guy who believes certain things and he doesn't, change for anyone. But I will say this, um, same thing with Joe Buck, Tim McCarver. If you're doing national broadcasts, then whatever local teams you're covering, those fans think that you hate them. And I think that's where it comes from. I have family in Philadelphia, in uh, Los Angeles, uh, other cities. I mean, uh, every every family member that watches baseball says Joe Buck hates their team. <laughs> I, go, <laughs> I go, trust me, I know Joe Buck. He doesn't hate your team. And I've, I've, heard, I've heard him talk about it. I think on his Twitter handle it says, no, I don't hate your team. But, I mean, I have family members that imagine that. And that's because when you're a local fan, you see things from the local, you know, your own perspective. This is your team. You're very protective, which is a beautiful thing. So if if the commentators don't see it your way, they must hate your team. No, they don't. And I think that's where it might come from with McCarver. Cause like I said, first of all, his connection to St. Louis, you can't match. I mean, sure. and I think Danny has done a wonderful job sort of integrating him back into that family and you can't meet a nicer guy. I, I mean, I have so many, so many stories of Tim McCarver. To, I mean, he, he saw me, we're in, we're in San Francisco and he goes, Jim, Jim. Danny does it better than me, but I, I, I do think that at times he sounds like a, a, an older Southern woman, but he's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he goes, you want to meet Willie Mays? I go, what? Yes. You know, and, and I talked about this. Tim McCarver set that up. I got to sit in a room wow. with Willie Mays, and he asked if I wanted a to base assigned baseball, and I was couldn't even speak. But Tim McCarver has done a thousand of those things for us in the time he's been part of Fox Sports Midwest. I text with him, call him once in a while. He, he has the purest heart. He is just a good guy, and I'm so thankful for the time I've had with him. That's awesome.
1: Well, it, and you talking about Willie Mays kind of transitions us a bit. You know, obviously today we lost Hank Aaron over the last year. Lots of Hall of Famers, including Gibson and Brock. I, how many, I mean, I know you've met a lot of them, obviously spent a lot of time around at Gibson and Brock, especially
0: what kind of stories do you remember from those kind of players? Well, you know, I talked about this on the radio, but this is the absolute truth. Like my dad was in show business, you know, so I knew some celebrities growing up. I was on sets of game shows he was on. I don't get like, oh, you know, like all flustered meetings, you know, someone. And now I've been around sports for a long time there are certain guys that I meet like a Willie Mays or when I first met Gibson or Brock, I mean, I mean, my knees were, were buckling. My, uh, my Gibson story. And if I've told it, I didn't know him really well. I got to know him thanks to Tim McCarver and Dan McLaughlin because Gibson doesn't open up to a lot of people. And he was great to me, but because of those guys, I was okay, so I got to meet him. I got to talk. the time I, I got to meet him. I'm so thankful for it because he's a wonderful guy. But this is my story. So I, he was at a game, and I'm talking to him by the dugout, and my kid, Tyler, loves baseball. And he just on his own looks up stats, and he'll ask me about this guy or that guy. Most of them I don't know, you know, so he's got to look them up. <laughs> and, uh, but he was looking up Gibson, and he looked at all those complete games. And, you know, that's not a stat that a kid's going to look at. And he said, Dad, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Gibson had more complete games in one season than they have in the entire major leagues for one season now. And I was like, let me tell you about Bob Gibson. So we talked about it. I mentioned that to Gibson, that my son was looking through his stats. And he said, you got a baseball on you? And I said, no. He said, hold on. He got a baseball. He said, I want to sign a ball to your son. And I said, I I didn't tell you that so you'd sign a ball. And he said, I know if you were trying to, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I've told that story, and people that knew Bob Gibson said, that's that's a perfect Bob Gibson story. And Lou Brock, the kindness, the you know, kindness. When I was on uh, uh, The Morning After on 590, we had a drop, and I, I used to love that drop because it just showed what a kind man. We, and that's, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything bad about it. Now. I'm saying it was, I always said it was the, an awful radio show when I was on it, probably because of it. But we were doing a really bad show, and, and, and Lou Brock is on hold. <laughs> Right. So we bring him in and we're all like a little, and Lou Brock said, good morning, enjoying the show this morning. And I thought, what a nice man, like <laughs> just a, a kind hearted man. The stories that uh, Ricky Horton tell me about um, never a day in the training room, Um, physically one of the strongest guys who could have done, if he wanted to be a 30 home run guy, he could have done that. But what you saw from Lou Brock, this genteel, classy guy from, from my experience, that's exactly who he was and you know, St. Louis is so blessed to have guys like that, that were around the ballpark. Obviously they're going to be missed.
1: For sure. Um, We're going to talk to Jeff Goldman next week and talk to him a little bit more about this, but it's been in the news of course, that what Bally sports book is not buying the station, but going to have an impact. And there's talk about gambling on the broadcast and things like that. Is that, one, in the works, and two, does that change anything you do?
0: Well, let me let me say this first about Jeff Goldman, who is uh, sort of the media relations guy for, <laughs> for my company. He's the smartest guy in the room. Like, he really <laughs> is. I, I'm a big fan of his, and I tell him that all the time. Like, we'll talk programming and stuff, so he's a good guy to have on. So as it stands now, and I'll be totally honest with you, I, I don't joke about this. Um, we're part of a big corporate entity. And I'm a sideline guy, so I don't always get to be at the meetings when all these things are discussed. So I don't really know how that they're going to incorporate this. I do know that when I talk to my bosses, um, I think they want to do it as, what's the word, as delicately as they can because it's a balancing act. Let's be honest, it, it's happening in sports right now. Sports gambling infused into broadcast is a revenue stream that is going to have to be tapped into to replace the rights fees that and subscriber fees that are drying up right now is, you know, everything's going to have to change. So I understand why we're doing it, but I think you want to do it in a way where the people that just want to see baseball, like I'm not a gambler. I'm not, I know. I hope they don't make me say that I placed 10 bets today because I'm not, a gambler. <laughs> but I think you want to, you want to keep it as pure as you can for those guys you know, the fans that aren't gamblers that are baseball fans while incorporating the sponsorship stuff. So it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be interesting how they try to weave that together. I've I've heard some concepts There could be, you know, different channels where one will be more gambling heavy than the other. I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, but I, I I do think eventually what we're seeing with Bally's and, and Fox sports, Midwest and Sinclair, um, it's going to be kind of widespread. It's I mean,
1: when you talk about it like that, it almost sounds like the way that we've had to over the last few years, the broadcast has had to meld in the, you know, advanced stats and things of that nature. And I know Danny does a pretty good job about of uh, explaining those as we go along, but trying to make sure that it's not the focus, but it's there to, to help, help the experience.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things I think, we do because you want the game to develop and evolve. But at the other hand, you know, on the other hand, you don't want to leave the folks that aren't aware of that stuff behind. I think we're seeing it in other ways. And we see in every broadcast now, the little drop in advertisements, you know, that fly <laughs> in real quick things <clears throat> have changed and they're, they're probably going to change more. I, um, my hope and my belief is that baseball will still be the main focus. And I'm, you know, like I, even the changes that we're seeing with with baseball, as it was in twenty twenty, looks like some of those things are going to stick around. Even though, and I, t- I get beat up on Twitter for it, but I don't want the DH in the National League. Um, oh, and the other thing too, and I'll take the time to say this: with <clears throat> with the carriers not, you know, uh, dropping Fox Sports Midwest, uh, mm-hmm. I-, I think it's an awful situation. But. From a corporate standpoint, you know, my company is is trying to navigate it as best they can. And I have no say on what they do. And so yelling at me on Twitter, <laughs> our guys are aware that there's gonna be some Cardinal fans that are gonna have to scramble to see blues, to see Cardinals. You're very aware of it. And I know it's something they're working toward every single day, but I'm not in the, the boardroom. So I I don't know what's what's going on except i I know it's it's not good for anybody and 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 our place realizes that
1: yeah you mentioned twitter again and you're right you've got a fairly benign presence maybe that's the best way of of saying it on twitter which is not easy to do on that platform um how how is your twitter experience i mean because you've got to be getting i mean just people coming at you here and there i mean as as many boys as you get there's probably just as many that uh that are using different language
0: let me tell you something all right fellas i never get ratioed okay i'm proud of that <laughs> i never get every once in a while there's a, a shot from the grassy knoll but you know the way i look at it too is like look i consider myself sort of a funny guy and mm-hmm. uh, if someone on twitter thinks they're a funny guy and they want to take a shot at me who am i to say no so if it's in good nature i'll go back with them um I don't take it personally. If someone does stuff that's mean spirited or defames someone on my timeline or gets into some political argument, you know, like let's face it, I'm happy that maybe twelve percent of Cardinal fans want to hear my what 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 I might have to say about not having Colton Wong. The twelve percent, okay? I can guarantee that zero percent wanna hear my latest take on the political situation <laughs> I, try to, I try to play the hits as best I can and uh you know I I I, I try to avoid some of that stuff just because that's I have my own views but that's not who I am and that's not why people would follow me so I try not to forget that but if someone wants to take shots of me on Twitter as long as I, I I've blocked some people I don't even know how many when they curse because I don't want cursing on my on yeah. my timeline go after someone. And if it's a mean spirited shot, you know, then I'll, I'll block them. Um, or most, mostly what I do is ignore, but I like the, I think most people know that I'm fine to go back and forth with if you want to say, them, I mean, I make fun of myself more than people make fun of me on Twitter. So, you know, I just try to have a good time with it. And, you know, here's the thing too, like it's my Twitter. So I'm going to tweet what I want to tweet. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, if some. Sometimes I do it because I think it's funny and I realize nobody else will, but I do. anyway.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's where social media is the blessing and a curse. It's, uh, the accessibility is there, but then on the flip side, the accessibility is there and it's, and it's easy to jump on somebody. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, like some of the players, not anything in particular, but you know how a lot of the, the agents and the agencies there that, that, uh, the, the players have hired have started to hire to bring on marketing firms to, to help a player image. Have you seen a lot of changes in that of guys that come through in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years where there's been any, has it changed much in your interaction with the players or anybody more guarded? Is anybody open or is it just kind of a, a preference deal that you, that you've seen forever?
0: Well, I was, I, I think you take it on an individual basis. I think overall, uh, players are more guarded because now one wrong word can be taken out of context and Mm -hmm. suddenly people want to cancel you, even if it's nothing close to what you said. Yeah. So I think guys are uh, a little guarded by that. Um, I think one of the changes we're seeing is that I think guys have become, they don't need me to put their message out there uh, because they have ways of doing it on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with the Cardinals. They have their own in-house media. So it's, it, it makes my job a little more challenging that I got to kind of get to know folks, players and, and such and, and, and draw them in. So that, that's what I, I try to do, but you know, it, it it's really individual. There's some kids come up kids. I call them kids because they are kids to me, you know, with wide eyes and, you know, they're going to do anything. Um, you ask them to do um, media wise, but the way I do it is I try not to overdo it and I never try to make anyone look bad. And I also space it out. So, we're, you know, that if, if, if you're on the pregame here, I'm not going to hit you up next week because I can't get anyone else. You know, like I'll get somebody else and I spread it around. So, I, I would say I've seen um, some changes, but not drastically. I think, I think a baseball player is still pretty much a baseball player, but just maybe a little bit more guarded.
1: You've had so many great interactions, especially over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. I, I still, though, don't know if there's anybody that you seem to have a better time with in your dry way than Matt Holiday. Um, is that is that fair?
0: I, there's like five or six guys that I still keep in contact with texting, you know, outside of the current group. Uh, Matt Holiday is probably at the top of the list. I, you know, I, I the funny thing about Matt Holiday, and I hear this about Paul Goldschmidt. I actually tweeted some a couple of weeks ago because <clears throat> I saw some poll or something where if Yachty goes, and I hope he doesn't, you know, the Cardinals won't have a leader. But you know, I, it was Paul Goldschmidt is is a quiet lead by example guy, and I thought people said the same thing about Matt Holiday, and guess what? <laughs> it wasn't true. These people never win in the clubhouse. I, I've been in there. He don't shut up. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and then I'll get back to Holiday. But just to make sure, I actually, because I, well, I, you know, I, it, it's regional cable journalism, but I actually take it seriously. So I just checked. I texted a couple of players, and I go, how would you describe Paul Goldschmidt's leadership and everything? And the guys that texted back were like, he's at every meeting. He's telling us things, especially the infielders. Here's what you need to know about this guy, that guy. Well, that's not a lead by example guy. That's a leader. And yeah. Matt Holiday, I think, was victimized by that same narrative. And I don't know. I guess I do know where it came from. When when you're in the post game scrum and he hit two homers, he's uncomfortable. He doesn't seems like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't, you know, give you three word answers. Oh, he's quiet. Well, guess what? He's not. Okay. <laughs> he hates talking about himself like Roland did like Goldschmidt, you know, did. And, uh, and Matt holiday, I knew all this stuff, like after games, you know, 12 innings, he's going by a hospital to see a kid. Mm -hmm. No one knew about it, you know, like, and I thought it it seemed to me that we didn't appreciate Matt holiday enough for everything he did off the field. I think a lot of it toward the end came to light, but, uh, he's, he's such a nice guy. He would do anything for you. And what you see is what you get. I mean, that's, Matt holiday is, you know, he's an admirable human being outside of being a massive monster of a human being who happened to be able to crush baseballs.
1: (laughs) Uh, And another one, and I, I mean, I still have the visual image of him running around in the camel suit would be Lance Lynn. Um, I, I think y'all sometimes had a, it seemed like a competition of who could have had the driest, you know, deadpan. Um, was that, was he one that is also right up there with holiday? Absolutely. Lance.
0: I like to think in some small way that I contributed to the Lance Lynn that we know today in St. Louis, because Lance Lynn um, is a, is a very nice man who has a great sense of humor, but thinks a lot of the stuff he has to do as a major leaguer is like talking to the media. Yeah. He's going to have fun with it. You know why? Cause he doesn't think it's that, you know, that vital. So, I mean, that was my approach with him is we're going to go back and forth. And to me, those were some of the most entertaining thing. We are saying fastball, fastball, but I think he came out of his shell a little bit and, and had more fun, you know, doing those interviews after it became a thing. Cause initially he was like, yeah, I don't need to talk to you guys.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Go ahead, Alan. No, I, I, you probably hear about this all the time, but my favorite interaction that you had with Lance Lynn was when he got smoked by that comebacker and was trying to convince you that his hat was a protective equipment.
0: <laughs> and he was doing it, you know, he was doing it to be to be a goof, you know? And... <laughs> Because he, he had contempt for the whole process. and But after a while, he started to enjoy it. You know, like, I think back, I, I forgot about that camel thing. But, I mean, he did that on his own just because he thought it would mock the whole interview, you know. But we, we got to have a good relationship. And I was always um, an advocate for him because that guy could pitch. And he gave you innings. He gave you quality innings. And he was a horse. And that's who he was, and uh, that's who he is today. I I, I think, and him and Larusa back together. I mean, that's beautiful. I, he texted me and said, "This is going to be interesting." Yeah, yeah, this is true. That will be that will be fun. Remember, I mean, Larusa said, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, <laughs> you remember that whole the, the whole yeah, yeah. Know, that's funny. But... Yeah, uh,
1: I don't know how Sibczinski became Lynn, but hey, there you go. Right.
0: Um... Somebody got thrown under the bus.
1: <laughs> and you can do that when you're a Hall of Fame manager, too. Yeah. Um, which I guess we ought to ask you about, you know, your relationships with with Tony, because you know, Tony TV was a, was a big thing while he was here, and, and you were a player in that in that stage.
0: Okay, so I always go back to Marshall Fox, who admitted this after. Marshall Fox said, uh, "If you were if you remember the Marshall Fox scrums he would have attack verbally." the first guy in that way he controlled the room and he admitted it after, Hey, apologies. If you were the first guy in <clears throat> now, Tony knew that if I even I, look, they're not the hardest questions in those post-game scrums. Okay. You could say someone asked a better, they're all kind of the same. And uh, Tony would act like he was offended by mine. Sometimes I think to control the room, but my favorite story is uh, when we were in Cincinnati and Cards and Reds had the brawl, right? Right. And uh, Tony said to the media, I'm not talking about the, the BS stuff. Okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about, we're talking about the game first. And so, okay. And to be honest with you, I, I, the brawl was the whole story. I mean, began, <laughs> I mean, everyone knew that. So I didn't even usually ask the first question. So I, I let someone ask them. You know. so they asked about the game. They asked about the game. And then while answering about the game, Tony said, well, I was surprised that that Phillips had done whatever and, and, you know, touched the whole thing. So Tony brought up the BS, right? So you brought it up. So now I'm going to follow up on what you just said, which is fair in my mind. Right. So I follow up on what Tony had just referenced in his answer. And he goes, are you disrespecting me? I, I wish I still had the tape. He looked at me. <laughs> are you disrespecting me? I go, what do you mean? Yeah. And he said, he said, I told you, we're not talking about it. I said, you just brought it up. And he goes, are you being a wise guy? And he goes, I'm going to have you thrown out of here. <laughs> and I'm looking at Brian Bartow. And Bartow looked away like, I don't want any part of this. So he settled down. But I, Tony is, uh, to me, I, and, and I'm not going to even talk about the, the legal troubles he's had mm-hmm. recently. Tony Larusa always treated me well. He was always accessible. And no matter how mad he seemed, you know, in Tony TV, or how demeaning he was, it was just for show, because it, it never—I could see him two minutes later, and it was like nothing ever happened. So I always took it. He would yell at me, and sort of con, try to control the room as best he could, but it was really entertaining. There were times where we do a pregame interview, and. Like people said, oh, you always look so scared. I can promise you, I'm not. I'm not scared of that. You know, <laughs> there were times that uh, I would do a pregame interview and, like, we're walking, you know, by the dugout or we're seated, and he would say something like that, you know, bash me or some, and I'd laugh. And Tony said, "I don't, I don't want that on there with you laughing." So we'd have to cover, like, we cover <laughs> some of the stuff where I'm laughing because I'm not really. You know, I, I never was physically intimidated by a sixty-seven-year-old guy, but I, but I appreciated his fire and his. He lives for baseball. Yeah. I would see him after he left the Cardinals and was like a consultant for this team and, you know, that team and what he destroyed Arizona and but he was always mm-hmm. he was always in a he was always in a press box. I said, I thought you were going to spend more time with your wife. My <laughs> sense was. She, she thought
1: he should be on the road a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Don't you have something to do? Yeah. Oh, me. Um, before we wrap up, let us if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about your podcasting experience. You had the Cat Chats um, podcast, which I always found very interesting because you got to do a little bit more of, of what you do uh, best and talk to these players for an extended period of time, and not only current players, but You know, people like Bo Hart and others that had come through St. Louis. Did you enjoy doing that?
0: I did. Um, And I'll do it again. Um, Right now I'm uh, in sort of radio limbo. And the podcast was like, I give all the credit in the world to Danny Mack for starting his own thing. I don't want to do that. Like, I just want to interview the players. I'll set it up. I don't I'm not even good at editing. You know, like you guys have your own thing. Technically, you can do it. I just want to get the guys, interview them, have a couple of giggles. And then, you know, if there's money involved, great. Otherwise, um, it, you know, it it would be too cumbersome for me to do. But I had a ball with it. Um, all these guys that you talked about, like some of the other ones that I, I always love, like Skip Schumacher in there, Daniel Descalso, Joe Kelly. Um, just great. And, and then just to catch up, it's it's good to catch up with a lot of these guys. We're doing it. Um, with Zoom a little bit, I talked to some of these guys, even if they weren't directly associated with the game we were doing a pregame for, we were doing some of that. But I missed the podcast because it, it was fun. And, you know, it, it I didn't want to do an hour, an hour and a half, 25, 30 minutes tops. I think that's all people can stand to me anyway. <laughs> He says, as we hit the forty-five minute mark,
2: um,
1: so,
0: yeah, this will be your your least well received podcast.
1: I, I have I have doubts about that, but we'll see. Um, it's it's been great to, to have you on here. So, what does twenty twenty one look like for you now? Do you have any kind of timetable about going to spring training or or how else the season starts?
0: Um, I know they're optimistic that at some point the regular season will be back with fans. T- to what extent I don't know. <clears throat> um, spring training, I think they're going to have it. I'm not sure, and I'll be honest with you that we've made the decision at Fox if we're going to do it remotely or if we're going to be there. So, a lot of things are up in the air still. A lot of, a lot of moving parts. And again, when you're the lowest man, you know, so you'll I'll find out last. Like one of you guys will say. Oh, by the way, you're going to spring training.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, Alan, do you have anything else for Jim?
2: Not. I don't want to ruin a good interview. <laughs> well, Jim. We, we, <laughs> I wouldn't know we, I've we, never had one of those. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we do appreciate you coming on with us, um, and hopefully we do it again. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you back on the TV screens here not too long from now, hopefully.
0: Thank you guys, and uh, and and honestly, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was fun. It was great.
2: We appreciate you
0: being on.
1: All right, for Jim and Alan, I'm Daniel.
2: Good night. Good night.
0: They just.